Hey everybody, thanks for listening. These recordings are from our 2023 women's retreat entitled Seen and Heard. These are some bonus episodes that I hope you enjoy. My name's Madison. My husband and I lead the church in Bend that we love so much. We were just praying this morning and I was like, God, thank you for letting me live here. I just love, love living in Central Oregon. So um, I really do. As much as it breaks my mom's heart, I love it here. Um, we have two young children. I think I know most of you guys pretty well. We have two little kids too. And um, we just really love what we do. So I'm really grateful to get to be here with all of you. I've grown up in Oregon. I was in the Eugene Church for a long time, was baptized in Eugene. So my heart is very much there too um, and love all of you so much. And I'm just excited to be here for this women's retreat. I hope it's the first of many, like that we can come back maybe every year and do this yeah. like more and more. Maybe rent a couple houses. Um, so the theme of our women's retreat is seen and heard. And so we broke it into two lessons. I'm going to do one called Seen, and Stacy's going to do one called Heard tomorrow afternoon. I'm so excited to hear what she has to say, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to start with a story. I'm going to try to stay out of my notes, and bear with me. I'm a little bit nervous, so help me out. Give me a little amen, amen. when something resonates or encouragement. That'll help me a lot. Um, so I want to start with a story. Um, like I said, we moved to Bend about four years ago now, which is crazy. Um, yeah, we first moved to Bend. We first got there and our whole mission team was at our house basically every day. It was kind of wild, but like the best thing ever. It was so much fun. I think we all look back on that really fondly. Um, we were always together. Our house was always full. Every, I think every single person who moved to Bend on the mission team lived in our, my house at some point. <laughs> oh, maybe not Veronica, but we had parties. It was, people were always there, almost everybody. So that'll tell you something. Um, you know, we're always playing games and telling stories about our lives, getting to know each other. And I'm pretty soft-spoken by nature. My voice doesn't carry very well. <laughs> and um, so, you know, when we're in a group, uh, sometimes I'd be in a group of people and I would start talking and telling something about my life. And I would notice people, like, get distracted, you know, like, look at their phone, like, get up to get something and then start a side conversation. And then I'm just talking out loud, like, to myself. <laughs> and it would just happen all the time. People did never meant it. But it's just, I just don't carry very well. <laughs> or my voice. And it literally happened all the time. And it still happens. Um, I'm not better, I promise. <laughs> happen to anybody else uh yes okay thank goodness it's <laughs> so it, yeah this happens a lot um and one of my insecurities one of my many insecurities is that I am boring uninteresting and unintelligent you know that people basically put up with me um not because they're actually interested in talking to me or learning about me though um you know, I really enjoy preparing lessons like this. I love the, like, the preparation in the Bible study, but I dread the delivery because it's always that fear of like, I'm just going to lose people. They're going to be like, get it done with already, lady. So, um, you know, when that would happen, one thing that encouraged me so much is so frequently, there was this brother named Lewis who I just love <laughs> so much. Um, and whenever he was in those conversations and that would happen, it was like I would scan the room and I would get to Lewis and no one else would be listening. And he would just kind of give me a little encouraging nod and go, I'm listening. Like, I see you. And it was just the sweetest thing. <laughs> because it took what could have been like 
that already insecure thing, and it could have been this deeply wounding, mm-hmm. you know, repeated experience of like, no one <laughs> listens to me or cares about me, or I'm so dumb, I'm so boring. And it turned it into just a lighthearted, like, ah, at least I got Lewis. Like, <laughs> and it was just really sweet. Like, I, I love him so much. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. You know, it, feeling seen by just one person helped mm-hmm. me to not take it so personally Amen. and to just kind of laugh it off and make light of it because it happens a lot. <laughs> Um, so for the first part of my lessons, there's two parts. First part, we're going to talk about a woman who felt unseen in the Bible. And then we are going to walk... What does that sound? It's a coffee maker. It's the oh. haters. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We have haters in bed. It's that. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounded like gas. <laughs> Can we talk over this? <laughs> just going to pretend like that didn't happen. Um, so let me start that over. First part of my lesson, we're going to talk about a woman who felt unseen in the scriptures, and then we're going to walk through what it looks like to have a biblical worldview, specifically of God, of others, and of ourself. Amen. Sound good? Yes. Okay. So kind of my main theme here is that we worship a God who sees us, but does the way that we see align with the, with God's word? We worship a God who sees us, but does the way that you see align with the word of God? So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 16, and I'm going to read a good chunk here. We're going to read the Bible tonight, and I hope I can keep everyone's attention. And sometimes when we read long texts, it's easy to get distracted. Try to stay stay with it. So, um, Genesis 16? Yeah, Genesis 16. <clears throat> and this is a tough text, guys. It's a tough text. It's a tough text. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Verse. Genesis chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 1. Okay. And I'm going to read almost that whole chapter. <clears throat> Want some help with it? Um, nope, that's okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Chapter 16, verse 1. It says, I'm in the ESV as well. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian slave, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived... And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on contempt on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You, sh- you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. 
He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahairoi. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Hey, Stace, would you mind opening this for me? I don't know if it has a lock on it. I have a couple just pictures to like help us get an idea. Because sometimes we read the Bible and it's like, I've heard that story. But when, like, I really want us to sit in it and think, like picture it in our minds. This has helped me so much. Um, you know, this is a tough text. <laughs> I really didn't want to dig into this, but it was kind of our theme verse as our fellowship of churches too. So I'm like, okay, I want to lean in. Um, you know, this was the cultural thank you, norm of surrogacy at the time. It may have been the cultural norm, but that doesn't mean it's pleasing to God, right? Just because something is normal does not mean it's pleasing to God. This is a terrible situation. Like, I do not want to make light. This is awful. It's a difficult text. Hagar was a slave far from home. She was forced to have sex with an old married man who was supposed to protect her. She was the slave in her family. This was a common practice at the time, and it, but it's still awful. Just because, like I said, just because something is culturally acceptable does not mean it's okay in God's eyes. Yeah. You know, then it says after submitting to Sarai, she is mistreated by her, which I can only imagine what kinds of abuses she had to endure. I, yeah, yeah. So she runs away. And this, this appearance of the angel of the Lord, who most people believe is Jesus in the Old Testament, this is the first time he appears to anyone in the Bible is to a woman. He appeared to a single mother, a slave. Well, I guess she was technically a wife, but a slave. You know, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Jesus appears to her first above anyone. And he asks her two questions. He says, where have you come from? And where are you going? And her response was, I'm running away. I'm running away. Hagar's name actually means flight, I learned, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, he seeks to understand her. He comes to her. He speaks to her. He seeks to understand her. He asks her questions. He comforts her. And he calls and he calls her to submit to God's greater plan. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That, that word, the God who sees me, it's El, El Roi. El Roi is how you say that. Mm-hmm. I love that. El Roi, the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. You know, does this, does this Old Testament story remind you guys of anything in the New Testament, a similar interaction that Jesus has with the woman at all? Yeah, the woman at the well. Yeah, mm-hmm. the woman at the well. It's a very similar parallel. You'll see as we keep reading. All right, I want to jump to the next part of her story, which is in Genesis chapter 21. Come on, this is good job. Good job. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm going to start in verse 8, but for reference, Sarah, he, she's re- Sarai is named, renamed Sarah, and she gives birth to a son named Isaac. Um, so I'm going to start here in verse 8. One sec. In chapter 21, it says, <clears throat> And the child grew, 
and was weaned. This is referring to Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abram, laughing. So she said to Abram, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abram, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For though Isaac shall, shall your offspring be named, uh, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of the Lord, the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. And he said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not. What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness, became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is like a heart-wrenching text. This is the first time I've spent away from my son, and like, it's really hard for me to read that. Like, it's really hard. But like, just, I want us to think about this. Picture being this woman sent away. Her son is older at this time. And being cast off with just a skin of water and a loaf of bread to go somewhere else. You're not wanted here anymore. You're not a part of this family anymore. Like, imagine walking in the wilderness with your son, having no clue where you're going to go, who is going to provide for you, the distress that she must have been under Mm -hmm. and they're literally starving to death and dying of thirst in the Mm -hmm. wilderness that so much that her older son she lies down in a bush and moves away from him to because she literally can't watch him die Mm -hmm. of thirst like this is an intense Mm -hmm. scene it's it's easy to read over it but this is this is huge you know imagine how she must have felt to walk away from her dying child the helplessness, the anger, the mm. rage, the darkness, the hunger, literally dying of thirst. When the one man who was supposed to protect her sent her away and her child to die. You know, she needed a protector, mm-hmm. someone to see her and to care for her. And then the angel of the Lord literally speaks to her from, from heaven. Like God speaks to her from the heavens. Mm-hmm. Jesus, the living water, as she's dying of thirst. And in his perfect wisdom, he does three things that I love. 
Number one, he starts by asking her questions just from earlier. Where have you come from? Where are you going? He seeks to understand. He cares. He's interested in her heart. He, number two, he validates, he comforts, and he promises to be with her and to protect her son. Essentially, to be the husband that she needs. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, and number three, he calls her to obey God, even if it meant more suffering. Like he sent her back to her mistress to endure something that was his greater plan before. He calls her to obey I love that. After listening to her and comforting her, he calls her to submit. You know, rather than fixate on how she had been wronged, and she had been seriously wronged, like there's no doubt about it, she chose to submit to God. I think this is huge, guys, because our society is fixated on oppression, on how we have been wronged and how justified we are to be upset. God calls us out of that bondage of slavery. He protects us and he blesses us when we let him protect us rather than fighting to protect ourselves. You know, imagine, I I literally, it's so hard for me to picture this. Like I need these pictures because I, as as a mom of two, I can't imagine being in such a dark place that I not only set my child down knowing that he or she's gonna die, but like, I can't even watch. I have to leave and let them die alone. Like that kind of just darkness, you know, sitting, watching him from a distance, seeing him under a bush. Cause she couldn't, you know, hear him or see that looking at her son. And then all of a sudden God's speaking to her and a well, like appearing next to him of water. That visual just is so cool to me. God opened her eyes to see what he was doing. He had a bigger plan. <clears throat> We, when she surrendered to him, he opened her eyes to see the well, to see how he was protecting her and providing for her. I want to go back to the song, um, It Is Well, that we just sang. I love that song. Man, it just gives me chills when you guys are all singing that. It's just so beautiful. And the two parts that stood out to me the most, I'm going to sing it again. don't have to sing with me, but, you know, that... When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. There's an old hymn that I love that includes this verse. It says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Like, oh, I just, I, that is so incredible to me. Though trials mm-hmm. should come, let this blessed assurance control mm-hmm. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Amen. There's so much hope found in Jesus when Mm -hmm. we surrender to his plan. You know, when was the last time that God opened your eyes to something new? When, has it been a while since you've seen radical transformation in your life? Mm -hmm. Do you, Mm -hmm. maybe you feel a little bit stagnant in your walk with God. 
I want to encourage us, stop running from the discomfort. Again, her name, Hagar, meant flight. She ran from her mistress, understandably, but still, she ran. She set her child down and walked away. I, 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 again, the depth of sorrow, like no judgment, but she walked away. She ran from the discomfort of it. But God called her to go back and to submit to his greater plan and promised her protection. This is deep stuff, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you just feel exhausted. I feel exhausted. I feel so deeply tired in my bones. I love my children, but one of them is not a good sleeper. They good, you know, they're babies. They're learning to sleep, but I have not slept through the night in 11 months. So I am deeply oh, wow. tired. You know, not yeah. So, I'll leave it at that. Moms understand. You know, maybe you're tired. Maybe yeah. you're lonely. Maybe you hurt. Are you empty? God sees you. And there is hope found in Jesus. But we have to see him and submit to what he is doing in our life. I want to share a really tough story. Um, a few weeks before we moved to Bend, we actually found out that we were pregnant. Um, this was like four years ago. Um, but two weeks after we got to Bend, we learned that our baby had probably died. And I felt so heartbroken and hurt that God had allowed that to happen because it it literally hadn't even crossed my mind as a possibility. It was like, that's, that's not going to happen to me. Like, there's no way. God wouldn't allow that. And I had to wrestle with God in prayer like I never have before. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't even considered it, that it could happen. But the doctors were telling me these really strange things and giving me false hope and so I had this little bit of hope left and I remember I went to Smith Rock and I just cried out to God and I wept and I begged him, God, please let my child be okay. Let this be a mistake. But we went in for a confirmation ultrasound and I remember that the sky was dark that day. It was cloudy and stormy. I remember we sat in, this, in the waiting room and I remember praying and just closing my eyes and, and asking God, please just tell me, like, please tell me, is my baby okay? And it was like he put the words in front of my closed eyes and it just said no. And it broke my heart. Um, and on our way home from that appointment, um, the sky was full of thunder and it just started pouring down rain. And I remember thinking, God is mourning with me right now. Like, he sees me in this. And the experience was long and traumatizing. And it took me a while to really walk through that with God. And later that summer, we had found out that we were pregnant again. And within a few days of finding out that I was pregnant, I started bleeding again. And I was so scared, but I trusted God with this baby this time. I knew, God, I've been through this before, and we, we got through it. I trust you. This child belongs to you. And I remember we went in for an ultrasound, 
And I remember the same, it was in the exact same chair, the same room. And I remember praying, God, is this baby okay? And him showing me, yes, this baby's okay. Just trust me. And it was like the room was filled with the sunbeams coming through. It was no joke. It was like, it was filled with his spirit. I've never had an experience like that before. And I not only found out our baby was fine, I was 11 weeks pregnant, (laughs) almost past the first trimester, which is like when the miscarriage likelihood is the highest. And it was like, God was going, hey, she's okay. And you're through the scariest part, mostly. Like, I'm here with you. And I felt so seen by him in that. You know, we'd gotten pregnant with her quickly after our miscarriage. And I couldn't see it at the time, but God knew what he was doing when he allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. He had a bigger plan. And I know that I'll get to see our child in heaven someday. I love that. You know, as painful as that was, I'm so grateful he allowed that to happen because if he didn't, I wouldn't have my Sersha girl. I wouldn't have her. And of course, it's like, you know, it doesn't replace. But I can't imagine my life without her. And I, that experience helped me to trust God's plan, even if it meant suffering. That he has big plans through it all. I wouldn't have been able to empathize or relate to women and have the profound conversations with women who are not in our church and relate to them about things that I never could have gotten to that point with them had I not gone through that. I could have chosen to fixate on that loss. I could have chosen to be deeply wounded. And I did feel wounded on the woundedness that I felt from God. I could have chosen to fixate on that. But instead, I chose this time, I will put my trust in you. I chose to submit to him and to see life through his eyes instead of just through my hurt. Mm. You know, I want to challenge this. If you're hurting, Amen. if you're hurting, surrender that wound to God. Choose to fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the wound. I know it's there. It is legitimate. But choose to fix your eyes on Jesus. I've heard it said <clears throat> that oftentimes we can call woundedness sin and sin woundedness. We can call woundedness sin and sin woundedness. I want to encourage you to pray. Let the Spirit reveal if you are in one of those places, where you might be at. We can be legitimately and seriously wounded through no fault of our own, and we can respond to that in a sinful way. You know, I have seen many men and women declare that they were wounded when in fact I saw sin. So I just want us to consider, is this sin or is this woundedness? Am I wounded? And maybe is there also sin? (laughs) It can be a both and. You know, the angel of the Lord asked Hagar two questions. Where have you come from and where are you going? And I want us to consider, what what might you be running from? What are you running from? What is God calling you back to? He told Hagar to go back. What is God maybe calling you back to? We need to have eyes that see where God is leading us. Psalm 119, verse 105, sorry. Verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need to be immersed in the word of God, the words of El Roi. But do you have eyes to see what God is doing? 
you know, first Corinthians chapter two, verse nine through 10 says, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by the spirit. I had no idea what a gift he was giving me with Sersha going through that. I, I couldn't even conceive in my mind what that might be. He has such great things in store for us. So part this moving into part two of my lesson, I want to give some practicals about how we can have a biblical view of self, of God, and of others. You know, we are inundated with false messages all the time. May I even say false gospels? Yes. You know, has anyone ever gone down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole? <laughs> Maybe on YouTube or TikTok? Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Maybe, what'd you say? Ancient aliens. Ancient aliens. <laughs> Illuminati. Area 51. Bigfoot. Anybody? Um, <laughs> Kathy, no. <laughs> I love, I love Kathy. <laughs> you know, we hear about things sometimes. We hear about Bigfoot and we go, yeah, right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, we go, that's bogus. No way. Like, that's dumb. But then after hearing enough convincing messages... Enough YouTube clips or TikTok videos, you're like, wait, is this real? And you start to believe it. Like, you start to kind of, maybe. Am I the only one? Anybody else? Okay, cool. Cool. We're just, you know, when you hear enough convincing messages, we are battling false gospels every day. Messages that do not align with scripture. But sometimes when we hear them enough times, we start to agree with them. Can anybody else relate? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is so important that we see things the way that God desires, not the way TikTok desires. <laughs> but there's a lot of this. So I have some practicals. I have some challenges for us. It may feel a little bit spicy. Bring on the spice. Ready? Bring it. Can it be spicy? <laughs> yeah. <sorry>. All right. <clears throat> Number one, how can we have a biblical view of self? I'm going to read Psalm chapter 139. Give me a name it when you guys get there. Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Starting in verse one. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely, the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Mm, I love Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. Such a good one. So my first practical on how to have a more biblical view of ourself is just to become more (laughs) self-aware. We cannot have spiritual maturity without Mm self-awareness. This has been a battle for me in my life. I have spent most of my life emotionally unintelligent. (laughs) I didn't have the like the language to describe what I was feeling, let alone share them with someone else vulnerably. How could I expect others to see and know me deeply if I don't even know myself? You know, it's only in the last three to four years that I feel like I've started becoming a little bit self-aware here. Um, But the Bible's full of emotions and vulnerability and expressiveness, and we can learn so much about ourselves just by being in the Word of God. You know, we become more self-aware by, number two, getting deeply in the Word daily. Amen. Psalm 42, verse 1, it says, "As As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. I love that. that. Mm -hmm. James 1 says the word of God is a mirror. When you look into it, you see yourself as you truly are. Not actively, if you're not actively growing in righteousness each day, we're not obeying God. Mm. Sanctification is continuously being made holy, Mm -hmm. growing in righteousness every day. So it's easier. It's an easy question. Are we spending daily quality time with God in the word? And do you feel refreshed and convicted every day? You know, I realized something. A lot of women don't know how to read the Bible. Like it's an, it's, I feel like I have struggled with this for most of my life going, I'm reading, I'm reading. What am I reading? (laughs) What am I processing? What am I supposed to learn? What is this? Like, and just feeling confused. You know, we can read for emotional encouragement. Mm-hmm. We read to feel better and to look for a line that will just apply to our life today. If you need help with this, there's a great YouTube series by Jen Wilkin called Digging into Bible Study. It's a great way to learn to read the Bible. I love it. Digging into Bible Study by Jen Wilkin on YouTube. My practical number three, learn to be vulnerable. Transparency is not the same thing as vulnerability. Preach it. It's not the same. You can be open about something but not allow yourself to be discipled or corrected on it. Vulnerability is opening yourself up to be wounded 
and it's okay if it hurts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Mm. <laughs> That's convicting. Mm-hmm. Growth is uncomfortable. Embrace it. Vulnerability is scary, especially if you have trauma. Yep. Lean into it. Yep. I got church trauma. Yeah. I got plenty of discipling wounds. <laughs> plenty enough. But I've decided I'm not going to use as as an excuse mm. to not get the help that I need. Right. Because right. I want to be righteous in God's yes. sight. Amen. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. I think this is something many in our, in our family of churches have strayed from mm-hmm. is real biblical discipling. Mm-hmm. And the only way to change that culture is if each of us choose to change and really challenge ourselves to recommit to consistent biblical discipling, getting discipling, giving discipling daily. That's just right. normal. It's more than saying, I'm sorry, that's tough. I'll pray for you. Yeah. It's a good start, but it's more than just that. Mm-hmm. Comfort is so important, but it's not all Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He did three things with Hagar. He asked questions, he comforted and validated, and he called her to obey the Bible. Yes, come on, man. That's how Jesus spoke with people. Yep. If you don't believe me, these are quotes from Jesus. Stop sinning. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Matthew 18. <laughs> Stop loving material things. Jesus. Matthew 6. Your life does not belong to you. Jesus. Love your enemy. Do good to those who harm you. Jesus. You cannot love God in money. Jesus. Right. We need discipling. Yes. Not just in college. Not just when we're single. Not just if you're in leadership. We all need regular, intentional, loving, truthful discipling. Amen. Mm-hmm. If you're disconnected... Run aware of what you need to grow in. Ask somebody. Yeah. What do you see in me that I need to grow in to become more like Jesus and pray about it? Ask God. Second per- second thing. I'm wrapping it up here. I promise. This is great. Um, awesome, how to have a biblical worldview with others. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, An enemy multiplies kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm-hmm. We have to be, number one, to have a biblical view of others, we have to be willing to wit- risk the relationship for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. I want us to think about who's my closest friend in the kingdom and ask, are you only kissing one another with compliments or righteously wounding each other by speaking the truth in love? Mm, good point. Are you only kissing each other mm. with compliments or righteously wounding one another by speaking the truth in love? Mm. Be bold enough to challenge your sister. And love them enough to speak the truth in them. Yeah. Be humble when they give it back to you. Amen. It's loving. It's love. An enemy multiplies kisses. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is we need to be interested in someone other than ourselves. Mm. Jesus was the master question asker. He asked others. He was interested in other people's lives. Learn about other people. If this is like a lost art or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but sometimes having conversation, it's like sometimes people just don't know how to ask questions and be interested in someone else. I always feel awkward in social groups because I want to have these like deep, lively conversations and get to know people's lives. And it's like not normal anymore in a lot of settings, <laughs> or maybe it was never. Um, but Jesus was so intentional with this. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So get to know someone new this weekend. Ask them deep questions about their life. Be interested. 
the third thing is we need to have a radical love for one another and for the world because our time is short Mm -hmm. um i don't know where this is i want to say it's first corinthians i lost my verse but i'll find it and it is in verse four wherever it is (laughs) um it says jesus answered Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, false gospels, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that none of you are alarmed. Mm -hmm. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Mm. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Mm -hmm. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like today, honestly. Dang. The end is coming. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. Our time is short. We don't have all the time in the world to reach out to our neighbors, to love people radically, yeah. to put it off till next week, to serve them next month. We need to be urgent about the gospel. Yeah. We need to stop putting it off. Love them enough to risk the relationship by asking them to study the Bible, to open the word of God together. Don't stop asking them to come and see. Keep asking. Keep persevering. Keep serving. That's radical love, you guys. Last point, wrapping it up. How to have a biblical view of God. We need to have a biblically accurate view of God. Yes. Psalm 62 verse 1 says, Truly my rest comes from God. I love that. Amen. When you think of God, what words come to your mind? Does the way you think about him come from scripture? Maybe it comes from your favorite preacher or a podcast or a friend or a difficult life experience. But we have to be women of the word. Mm-hmm. You know, in the time of podcasts, I love them most of the time. Anyone can have a pulpit. Mm-hmm. Anyone can claim to be a preacher and have a huge influence. I hesitate to even recommend podcasts anymore because I recommend something and then it takes a weird turn. And I'm like, whoa. Should not have handed that pulpit over. Like, that's not cool. We need to be careful whose words we see in our mind every day. We need to spend more time in the word than we do listening even to Christian podcasts. Mm -hmm. More time in the word. Mm -hmm. God doesn't change with the culture. He doesn't change based on how we feel. He does not change. And his word does not change. With search, I always ask her, did you know that I love you? Did you know that? Did you know that I love you even when you throw a fit? I love you the same when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're disobeying, when you're not gentle with your brother, when you're joyful and happy. I love you always. And she started saying it back to me, which is funny. Except she'll come up to him and she'll go, I still love you, mama. And walk off. (laughs) Thank you. But she's listening, you know? She's listening. God loves you guys. He loves you so much. He loves you whether or not you had a quiet time this morning. He loves you even if you chose to be impure last night. He loves you if you were a jerk to your husband and your kids yesterday. He loves you always. 
and he sees you always mm-hmm. study out the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. A.W. Tozer has a great book called The Attributes of God. Mm-hmm. And I just want us to imagine for a second what it'll be like to see God face to face, to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, mm-hmm. to gaze upon his beauty, to be enveloped in his light, unable to look away from mm-hmm. his majesty, mm-hmm eyes open with awe and reverence at God. God sees you. In closing, he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. We have to worship God in a biblical way, a biblical view of everything in our life by being students of his word, not of the culture. And we need to see things through the lens of scripture, which never changes, not our emotions, which change, if you're me, moment by moment. And let's be committed to pointing ourselves and one another to the Jesus of the Bible so that someday we can all gaze upon his beauty. Mm-hmm. So that's what I get. Amen. Amen. Amen.